Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I hope you are well wherever you are. Uh, Y'all, I want to talk about foreign policy for just a moment. I know I don't want to bore you, but we got a, we got a problem on our hands. It's actually a growing problem. Uh, there is a destabilizing situation in Ukraine. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ukraine is a country in Europe. It's actually uh, outside of Russia. It's the largest country by landmass in Europe. It's larger than France or Germany. Ukraine, its capital is Kiev, and it's kind of got a tragic history. Now, for those of you who are trying to place Ukraine, if you know where the Black Sea is north of Turkey, uh, the Crimea uh, sticks out into the Black Sea. It's part of Ukraine, but it was invaded and taken over by Russia. The Russians maintained a naval base at Sevastopol in Crimea and declared it uh, part of Russia. It took it over, and then they moved into and largely did a military invasion of parts of Donetsk uh, in eastern Ukraine, and eastern Ukraine is largely Russian-speaking. Now, to put it on the map for you, if you know where Poland is, Ukraine is the eastern border of Poland. So it borders Slovakia, Hungary, Romania and Moldova to its south, and Poland is to its west. It sits under Belarus. Belarus and Ukraine are historically within the sphere of influence of Russia. Vladimir Putin, according to American intelligence, intends to invade Ukraine. The eastern border of Ukraine is Russia. Belarus and Ukraine uh, are two countries that have long been in the sphere of influence of Russia, even before the Soviet Union. With the Soviet Union, they were parts of the USSR, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Uh, Ukraine and Belarus were essentially states within the USSR. So were Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. But Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, the Baltic republics, also, by the way, um, with a troubled now history with Russian aggression towards them, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia were long-time Western European-looking countries. Yes, they bordered Russia, but those countries were very much uh, oriented towards Western Europe. And I should say Europe as well, because Russia for a long time viewed itself as Russia, some other Russia. Uh, Ukraine and Belarus, however, were always to a degree within the influence of Russia, even when they were independent nations before the Russian invasions, the Soviet invasions of them. Uh, they they were largely Russian-oriented, other than the western half of Ukraine that bordered Poland, Slovenia, and Hungary were kind of European-looking. They were more Ukrainian, less Russian. 
the problem here is that uh, Vladimir Putin is deeply suspicious of NATO and has ambitions of his own for Russia. And growing up, Vladimir Putin and the KJB viewed NATO as the enemy. And his Cold War thinking really hasn't changed despite all of the uh, PR campaigns running for Vladimir Putin. At heart, he's still a KGB operative of the Soviet Union. And he wants to rebuild Russia's sphere of influence and stretch Russia back to its natural borders. If you know anything about the history of Russia, Russia considers Ukraine to be part of Russia. Going back to Catherine the Great, who encouraged migration into Ukraine to push out the Turks who had invaded from the Ottoman Empire, among others. Uh, She wanted Russian immigration and Ukrainian immigration. She wanted to remake Ukraine, make it less Turkish-oriented, as the Ottoman Empire had its sphere of influence, uh, moving down into the Crimea. They viewed it this way forever. Well... If we're honest about it, and we probably should be honest about it, NATO got a little too big for its britches after the fall of the Soviet Union and decided to, over time, develop strategic ties to Ukraine. George W. Bush was really big on this when he was president. George W. Bush, you will recall, thought he could got a glimpse of Putin's soul and thought they could do business together. It was nonsense. Western Ukraine is very pro-America. Eastern Ukraine is very pro-Russia. And Vladimir Putin wants all of Ukraine within his sphere of influence. Vladimir Putin wants a pro-Russian Ukrainian government. You can see this in Belarus, north of Ukraine. Minsk is the capital of Belarus. Uh, They have an autocratic uh, ruler in Belarus who is a pawn of Vladimir Putin. The Ukrainians, however, really bought into the whole democracy thing. After the fall of the Soviet Union, they established their independence. Uh, They had an orange revolution in Ukraine. Uh, the, The... Leader of Ukraine at the time was thought to be too pro-Russia. And they wanted to, they wanted, the people did, the bulk of the people wanted more ties with the West. And their autocratic ruler, they pushed him out. They wanted to re-embrace democracy. And it's been very troubling for Ukraine over time. NATO allies have wanted to bring Ukraine into the fold. And part of the argument had been, while they've lost their chance with Belarus, they brought in Lit, Lit, uh, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, the Baltic Republics, probably the most libertarian countries in Europe outside the Czech Republic. It's very, very pro-free market, low taxes. And they wanted to bring in Ukraine and try to normalize democracy in Ukraine and make it a strategic partner, not to spite Russia, but to prop up the experiment that is the European Union, which itself is becoming a bit too autocratic for some. Well, Putin wants Russia restored to what he views as its natural borders and natural realms, and that includes dealing with uh, Georgia, and he invaded there, taking over Crimea and the Donetsk region of Ukraine, eastern Ukraine, Uh, Having a puppet in Belarus, he's been agitating against Lithuania, Latvia, and and Estonia for some time. He's got his puppets in other areas, uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan. He's somewhat careful with the Muslim republics, uh, the former Soviet Union, because he's not a big fan. But he wants Russia's fear of influence. 
Ukraine and the Ukrainian people are pushing off the Russian influence. They're looking west. They're looking towards France, Germany, Great Britain, the United States, and Vladimir Putin is having none of it. He is mounting an invasion of Ukraine. He's been amassing troops along the border, and already uh, the Ukrainians have lost tens of thousands of men, from what I've read, fighting the Russians in Ukraine in an uncovered, unheard of, unseen, unknown war. The Russians are slowly taking over parts of eastern Ukraine. It's not just at the border. Now, the northern part of the shared border with Russia, it tends to be more sympathetic towards western Ukraine. you got to remember, this is part of the country that Joe Stalin starved to death. They're not big fans of the Russians there. But in the southeastern part, uh, from Kharkiv down to Donetsk, they're kind of pro-Russian. A lot of them speak Russian. They're, 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 they're native Russians. They have ancestral ties to Russia. And Vladimir Putin has been coming across the border there and amassing uh, recruits and an undercover militia army and um, uh, mercenaries, militia army, mer- militia and mercenaries to defeat Ukraine. Here's the problem, and this is why I lay all of that out for you. The West does not want Russia to expand. They believe it would be deeply destabilizing because if Russia takes over Ukraine and Belarus, which Belarus doesn't need to be taken over, he's already got a puppet there, well, then he comes looking for other countries that he still thinks are within his zone of influence and sphere. Poland, you might have heard of Poland is concerned. There is an outgrowth of Russia north of Poland where Kaliningrad is. It's south of Lithuania, north of Poland, completely isolated from the rest rest of Russia, but part of Russia. There's Romania and Hungary. There's Serbia, Bulgaria, Moldova, all areas that used to be Eastern Bloc countries that were in the Russian sphere of influence. And he would like very much Vladimir Putin would to rebuild this. Now, some of these countries now have ties to NATO. So it's an act of war against NATO should he invade these countries. All Joe Biden has to offer on this front are sanctions, military sanctions. The problem with military sanctions is you allow Vladimir Putin to invade Ukraine, overthrow the government, put in a Putin puppet, and then he says, okay, we're done, and we leave. Do you get rid of the sanctions, or must the puppet government go down? And if the puppet government goes down, has he destroyed the infrastructures of Ukraine so much that it ensures that a new Russian puppet gets elected? We got problems, and the Biden administration doesn't know how to solve them. The Biden administration doesn't want a war, and frankly, there's a growing sense at home and abroad within the military establishment, we're not prepared to fight the Russians anymore. In fact, there's a growing sense we may not be prepared to fight much of anything. We're kind of overstretched right now dealing with China and Russia. And by the way, yes, I mentioned China intentionally because the Chinese as well are abroad rattling sabers. They desperately want Taiwan to come into the fold. They want to take over Taiwan. They're cracking down on dissidents in Hong Kong. They're building more bases in the South China Sea, creating islands where there used to be no islands. Even the Philippines are starting to get nervous. You know who started to get really nervous of the Chinese? 
the commies who took over Vietnam, they're starting to make kissy face with the United States because the the China or the communists of Vietnam would rather deal with the Americans than deal with Beijing. China itself has internal problems. The Chinese are more and more closing off the rest of the world to views of its finances, economics, and books. China is more destabilized than we know. It's becoming a real risk. Uh, the reason Xi Jinping, their leader, wants to go after Taiwan has more to do with getting a nationalist fervor stoked in China that he thinks he can contain as opposed to letting people realize just how bad off things are getting in China. They've got one of their major property developers on the verge of collapse there. Evergrande. The Chinese situation is destabilized. The Russian situation at home is no good. These are countries that can't make good in the modern era, and so they're trying to reshape the modern era. The Chinese looking to build a military base in Equatorial Guinea, so they have a military naval outlet in the Atlantic closer to the eastern half of the United States. Joe Biden has no strategy to stop this. You know, in the old days, uh, the United States used its foreign policy and money to buy allies and launch coups and throw out people who were friendly to to the communists. And we would use our military and our money strategically. There's no appetite for this in the country anymore. Uh, The right wants to give it all up and focus inward. The left thinks the Chinese are just fine. Let them have it. At some point, we need to rethink strategically in the United States. How are we going to use our foreign policy dollars? Some of you say, don't use them at all. Give it up. Except you can't. You don't want the Chinese to have a military naval base in Equatorial Guinea. You just don't want it to happen. Trust me, bad things will happen eventually, and the Chinese will have bases closer to the United States. They're trying to build up strategic ties to countries in the Caribbean. Do you really want the Chinese to have permanent military presence in the Caribbean, people? You're a naive fool if you do. The United States needs to start spending more money on its foreign policy budget. Doing what we did against the Soviets. Overthrowing bad regimes and propping up pro-American governments to keep the Chinese out. We need to be doubling down on our support of Ukraine and make known that if you have a fight with Ukraine, you're going to have a fight with us. Why? Not because we want war, but because we've forgotten the chief end, the chief aim, the chief goal, the chief strategy for peace around the world is American strength. Nobody wants to mess with us because we're the strongest nation and can wallop you. And in fact, the Chinese and the Russians at this point think they can take us. And Joe Biden's administration is doing everything they can to signal yes, in fact. Yes, you can. Please, sir, can I have another? That's not the foreign policy of a global superpower. It's the policy of the progressive left that they wanted in the 70s and 80s if they could get rid of Ronald Reagan and doom us to a future where the commies were in charge. And now the Biden administration is delivering those people in the 21st century, what they were trying for in the 20th, and it's causing a destabilizing effect around the world. We need real American leadership, and that means we need to find someone other than Joe Biden to lead the country. Fortunately, he's going to be there till 2024. We better start thinking now what we're going to do. You are struggling right now. Well, you should be because I am. What am I going to get people for Christmas that I love? What am I going to get myself? Well, there are lots of things you can do, and one of the things you can do is considering how much time we sleep and stay in our beds, consider gifting Bull and Branch. My gosh, their sheets are comfortable. My wife was so excited when I told her that Bull and Branch was going to be an advertiser because she's been hearing about their sheets, and she wanted some, and we bought some, and then they sent us some. 
And gosh, she knew she was getting that second pair and she loves them. We have Bowling Branch on most of the beds in our house now. And all the time people ask us when they stay at our house, what exactly it is? Where do we get our sheets? Because you can feel the difference. They are very soft. You know, they've got a good snug feel to them, but they're also very soft. You can tell they've got a high thread count. I really, really do like these things. They are very soft. They've got organic cotton weave. They feel incredible all season long, every season, from twin-sized beds to California kings. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the new standard in bedding from Bull & Branch. Their gifts come wrapped and ready in their special holiday packaging. If you order by December 19th, you get guaranteed delivery for Christmas. Best deals of the year are going now from December 6th to December 8th with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bullandbranch.com. That's bull, B-O-L-L, and branch. Dot com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions may apply. You're going to want Bull and Branch. Yes, you are. Welcome back. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, let me go to Lance here. Lance, welcome to the program. How are you doing, sir? Great. How are you? Uh, fine. Um, actually, I'm one of those people who've actually been talking to a few women over in Ukraine, and um, I found out through them and uh, some other sources there that one of the other big reasons why uh, Putin is going into Ukraine is that when he went into the Crimea and Donetsk area, that's basically the oil-rich place other than the Caucasus in Russia. And so what the Ukrainians did post that, even though they signed, I think it was a um, kind of a peace act in 2014, which... Putin's broken pretty much right. because the um, the actions that are going on is still hot on the border between Ukraine and Russia. But what they did is they cut the water off to the Crimea. So what he wants is to do a three-pronged invasion into that country, take all the land as best he can all the way to the Donabur River so he can make a waterway to go back in to the Crimea to get water because they cut it off. So well, that really- and also keep in mind that, that that's it's also and, and a, a listener emailed me and I forgot about it. it. It's also the most fertile region of the old Soviet Union. It was their breadbasket uh, yes. and yes. for crops and all of that, too. He definitely wants the land. It's gosh, it's deeply destabilizing. So what are your friends there saying? How do they, they feel about any sort of imminent invasion? Well, my really good friend, my really, really good friend that I was hoping to meet, but because of COVID and what's going on. I haven't been able to fly there because U.S. State Department has basically really restricted people going there. They don't want you to go. It's The whole area is red. Anyway, um, she told me basically that uh, if they if they come across, it's going to be a bloodbath for the Russians. And so they intend – Ukrainians are tough people, and they'll fight to the death like they did with the Germans. So – well, and, you know, um, the, the, the Western Ukrainians as well are deeply despise the Russians after the, the Stalin purges yeah. and the and the famine. Yes. And of course, um, it's not known. It's between 9.4 and 14.5 million uh, Ukrainians that were starved and then sent off to who knows where and killed. And so that's a, that's a Holocaust we don't even hear about. <laughs> right. Don't really know about. So. Anyway, yeah, well, I, I thought I'd call you and let you know some of the sentiments, but uh, they're scared on one side, and then on the other side, some some of the people I've talked to, um, they see it as just a change in things because 
pretty much even even my dearest friend in Odessa, she speaks Russian. I I was trying to speak to her in Ukrainian. She goes, Lance, I'm, we right. speak mostly Russian. <laughs> yeah, so, I think that's, that's one of the big divides there. Lance, I got to let you go there. I got about 30 seconds left. Thanks for that. Uh, the, the eastern half of Ukraine largely speaks Russian. Catherine, going all the way back to Catherine the Great. Uh, began a, a mass uh, immigration program to get Russians into that part of Ukraine to push the Turks out from the Ottoman Empire, and, and those people stayed, and they they are culturally tied to Russia, which makes it a more complicated issue. Western Ukraine, very pro-Europe. Eastern Ukraine, very pro-Russia. For several years when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom to be an on-call lawyer for them. It's one of the few legal nonprofits in the country that really racks up wins both state courts and federal courts for conservatives and Christians. People have a Christian conservative worldview. Since leaving my law practice, I volunteered in the past to speak at ADF events. I've been to their training sessions where they teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues and understand the state of play on cases around the country from local city councils all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now I'm glad to have ADF as an advertiser, but honestly, I'd be encouraging you to support them this time of year anyway. The Alliance Defending Freedom takes donations from you and uses them to help those who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the Supreme Court of the land all the way down to the local level. Right now, ADF has received a matching grant, so all new donors will have their gifts matched. All you have to do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson today and donate. adflegal.org slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Taylor, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Not bad. Um, yeah, just sort of want to piggyback off the, uh, you know, the geopolitical talk here, um, you know, speaking about with uh, the rise in the uh, Chinese influence. And, and I'll definitely say if I ramble on, because, you know, this, this stuff really excites me. It's something, you know, I looked into in college, but um, really just wanted, you know, a little bit more insight on what you think the, I guess, the economic, political, and sort of the societal influence of um, potentially if uh, China and Russia really begin to gain more influence in their areas. Um, and, I, and I guess that that's sort of my question is just looking more into it, because I know you mentioned that, you know, the right and left have two different outlooks, but um, if these two um, world powers were to gain more influence and ours start deteriorating, what would the world look like um, if that was to happen? Ooh, um, first of all, one of the biggest issues it would impact immediately is businesses. Uh, we would probably mm-hmm. start to see a breakdown on privacy. Take Apple, for example. Uh, Apple outside of China has been very aggressive in its push to add privacy to all of its products. So, for example, you know, you, you've got those those products in your house that listen to you. Um, the the Amazon, I'm just going to say dingus so I don't trigger them in your house. The Amazon dingus listens to you. The, the Google dingus listens to you. And the Apple dingus does. And you say, hey, dingus. And they activate. The Apple one tends to work worse than the others. Siri kind of sucks, let's be honest. The reason, although it has gotten better over time and continues to get better over time, the reason is because Apple insists that all of the transactions for its voice service be on your phone. 
Amazon and Google transmit over the internet to their servers and then transmit back very quickly. The result is that Apple keeps everything on your phone. Google and, and Amazon spy on you, essentially. They can, and they can commoditize your information. There's a uh, service out called Life360. It's a family privacy app, and it turns out keeps an active track on your location and sells the data. Cell phone companies do that as well. Apple has worked very, very hard to make your information very secure. So while Siri is constantly listening for the trigger, hey, dingus, except Siri, uh, it doesn't store everything on servers. The others do. Uh, You start seeing a world where Russia and China are more involved on the global economic business stage. You're going to see uh, Apple systems start to collapse in favor of uh, transmission over the internet and collection of data uh, and ruin your privacy as as these companies and countries start collecting your data. One of the other big issues you're going to see is costs, your costs go up as they start pressuring us in this country and Western allies giving less competitive deals to us in favor of less pro-democracy countries. The biggest aspect of this around the world, though, is going to be free speech. You will, over time, begin to see your speech and press rights in this country eroded as they start expanding around the world. You will see an increase in religious persecution. You will see an increase in the invasions of your privacy. You will see an increase in computer hackings and and, uh, nonsense like that. Companies being ransacked and ransomed for their electronic data. All of these things will happen. Uh, Western values will begin to recede around the world. You will see a rise in dictatorships in countries uh, as democracies collapse, and it will eventually lead to a global war. It absolutely will lead to a global war. Uh, Western values take hard work. Democracy, a stable democratic republic. You know, there are lots of republics in the world. Some have dictators, some have democracies. Uh, they're, They're countries without kings. The ones that actually commit themselves to democratic operation take more work. They're less efficient. Uh, Getting the people to weigh in, even in a representative democracy, takes time. There are a lot of people who favor dictatorships or autocracy because those regimes can make decisions very quickly. You know, uh, what's his name at the New York Times? Tom Friedman for years has fetishized China because China can do things in a week that take the United States a year or two to do. The reason is because the Chinese clear all of the elements of democracy and legality out of the way to get done with the dictator wants. The problem is in these regimes, they are less stable when it comes to infrastructure and the like. And there's always a seething resentment uh, under underneath things. The markets are far less efficient in these countries. So, for example, uh, it's all well and good that China can build a building or a railway overnight. The problem is uh, it's going to tip over and collapse far quicker than one in this country because it's not going to be as well built. And the reason is in these sorts of countries, the people who blow the whistle and cry foul and say you're doing it wrong get shoved aside if not killed. And frankly, there is something we can turn to in the United States and point to. This is going to get me in trouble with some people, but it's true. Scripture says a prophet is not welcome in his hometown. It's true. You know where else a prophet is not welcome or a truth teller is not welcome? Within tribalism. 
each party in this country is descending into a level of authoritarianism internally. I, I don't mean democratically disrupting the country. I mean, there's a level of ha- heavy handedness in both parties right now. Uh, Trump supporters on the Republican side, the wokes on the progressive side. And oftentimes what happens in these situations is people who can read the tea leaves and say there, there really isn't a market for what you're selling, they get shoved aside, they get ignored. So, for example, on the Republican side, there's a growing sense among some that uh, we got to fight, 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 fight. Now, what they actually mean is mean tweets. We, we, need to, we need to have more mean tweets. We need to be rude. We need to be combative. We need to be in the face of the left. Now, ironically, it is that level of combativeness, that rudeness, that in-your-face antagonism on the left that's caused people to move to the Republican side. But these people in their bubble, they don't see it. They just say, oh, man, the left is so successful because they're they're throwing punches and being nasty. We need to be just like them to win. And actually, no, the data suggests otherwise. But they're in their little bubble. And don't you try to tell them because they will come after you. On the left, it's the wokes. Take David Shore. David Shore is a progressive pollster. No one doubts his progressive credentials. But David Shore in 2020 told progressives this defund the police George Floyd rioting stuff, this is going to help the Republicans. And he was driven out of his job and silenced for a while. Now, he's landed on his feet. It's turned up being really good. But this happens more and more within parties. As both parties descend into tribal loyalties, they don't like people within the tribe saying, ah, this isn't a good idea. And... Oftentimes, those are the people who are right. More often than not, they're right, but they get to be silenced. So now let's extrapolate out to countries where when countries you have this level of heavy-handedness that exists within American political parties. And by the way, in this country, it plays out in the political parties and does not play out in the country. The parties, to some degree, contain it. In these other countries, you don't really have parties. So it can play out at the national level. You're, you're not having a jockeying of ideas and in, in, in competition among parties because parties don't exist. In a communist country, the only party is the Communist Party. So what happens to the Communist Party plays out nationally. There, there, there's no way to temper it. There's no way to combat it. There's no way to wall it off or firewall it or compete against it. So in a, a communist country, it's not the people within the party who are saying, wait a second, guys, we shouldn't do this. It's people within the nation because there is no party there. There is one party, but it transcends the whole nation. So the people who are the engineers who say, wait a second, guys, we shouldn't be building this as quickly as we're building it. We're not letting the concrete set. Well, they get silenced because it's all for the good of the country because what's for the good of the party is good for the country. What's good for the country is good for the party. So build that high-speed rail system quickly. And if that guy keeps complaining, well, shut him up. And if that means kill him, kill him. We saw this. If you watch the HBO Chernobyl documentary, it's part of the, the Chernobyl, or not documentary, miniseries. All the people who were warning, you're doing it wrong, they were silenced. Political parties in this country oftentimes are ruthless to people within who don't get on the same page. It's actually far preferable for it to happen within political parties in Western democracies because it doesn't translate onto the world stage. When you get into dictatorships where you have one party rule, it could cost you your life instead of your livelihood so you don't speak up. So that's a long way in, in, in dealing with this that what happens 
If the United States fades and Russia and China rise, you have more of this around the world. You have more countries with either single parties or claims of no party. So you have disaster befall those nations as, as the prophets who aren't welcome in their hometown and certainly not in their party get silenced. The whistleblowers get silenced. You have internal morass. You have external uh, pressure on Western democracies to conform. You have China and Russia using their monetary positions and power to bully people at their periphery and then the world. It doesn't end well. This is why the United States has to stand up on this stuff. I realize on the right in particular, there is this idea that we need to go back to sleep. The sleep, the, the giant who woke up in World War II on Pearl Harbor this day in 1942, was it 42? Yeah, 41, 42, 41. This giant that woke up, that was the, the famous phrase of the Japanese admiral that we've awoken a sleeping giant. There are a lot of people on the right who want the giant to go back to sleep now. You can't. You can't go to sleep when you astride the world stage and you got to stand there because there are other countries that would like to take your position. You go back to sleep, you wake up and they're in charge and you're going to have to fight them because their values are not your values. We cannot let China and Russia be dominant. And now I need to say this before I go to any other phone calls, and you need to hear me on this. In the Republican Party and the Democratic Party in Washington, D.C., there are a great many people who say things like, oh, yeah, we're the best country on the planet. Oh, yeah, America forever. America, yeah, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, always America. New American century, yeah, we're the awesome, we're great. Privately, they think we're in decline and that it's only natural. It's China's turn now. We've been here 100 years. It's time for China. They have a defeatist attitude towards this country. Whether it's the Biden administration or even members of the Republican Party, even people who are whispering in Donald Trump's ear, they wanted to manage our decline and get the spoils of war as best they could. They didn't want to commit to thinking, how can we keep the United States from being in decline? So much of the problems we see in the country domestically right now, the wokes, the civil strife, the complaints, the nonstop nonsense about the 1619 Project, they are indicators of a nation in decline, but not only that, a nation that's gotten lazy, that's taken its position for granted. It doesn't have to be this way. Decline is a choice, and so many of the political elite in this country have made the choice to decline, and they're dragging the rest of them with us. That's why so many people gravitated to Donald Trump. They got the sense he did not want to see a nation in decline, and they went with him. For better or worse, they went with him. And we need, frankly, other people to stand up and actually agitate for American success in another great American century instead of apologizing and being ashamed of the country and managing the decline. Now, let me go to Jim here. Jim, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Oh, yeah. I was what you think. It, it seems like Putin may have kind of already won with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, and it seems like they get most of their money from energy, uh, gas, or selling arms. And now that they have this new pipeline, it would seem that uh, Europe is going to be in no position to disagree with Russia really about anything. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting with uh, Angela Merkel out in um, in Germany, the new German chancellor, who's actually a socialist to her left, is raising more concerns about the, the pipeline and may actually wind up at the end before it's done, stop it. Uh, but the Biden administration turned a blind eye to it. And I frankly think that signaled to Russia uh, that, that yes. we've given up. 
Um, I think so. They, they flat, the Biden administration, I mean, even the Trump administration and the Obama administration recognized it was a strategic disaster. So for those of you who don't realize what Jim's talking about, Russia's building a natural gas pipeline. Much of Europe, because it had, they've gone green, have stopped their capacity to drill natural gas in their own countries. And Germany has allowed the Russians to build a pipeline, Nord Stream 2, to pump natural gas in from Russia. So the Germans claim to have clean hands. Well, we're not drilling any of it ourselves. So it's making Germany and much of Europe dependent on Russian natural gas. And essentially, Russia is using uh, the proceeds to build up their army. They're taking advantage of the Greens, which, you know, I've been telling people for years, you go back to the 1980s with the fall of the Soviet Union and, and us able to read into the KGB archives, the KGB was funding environmentalists and peace movements in the United States and around the world. And so many of those movements lost Soviet money, and now they're global warming alarmists, and now we're paying them. The greens are the watermelons. They're green on the outside and red on the inside. People don't believe me on this, but the data is there. The environmentalist movement are a bunch of people who used to be a bunch of commies and still are, and they just want to undermine American democracy and American capitalism. Now, you can fight back, and one of the ways you can fight back on this, believe it or not, is just to move your cell phone company to Patriot Mobile. Why? Because Patriot Mobile funds the conservative movement. They take a portion of their profits, and they fund the pro-life cause, the Second Amendment cause, the veterans, the first responders, the conservative movement. So all you got to do is move your cell phone business to Patriot Mobile. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You get free activation. They have fantastic world-class service. They use the same towers all the other companies use. So you don't have to worry about your coverage. If you have coverage with your existing phone provider, you'll have coverage with them as well. And you can get great discounts, NRA member, first responder, family with large household and needs multiple lines because all your kids are getting cell phones. We're almost there. So you can save money with Patriot Mobile. You can call them too. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT, or you just go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. That's patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty, building and loan nationwide. They want to help you. First Liberty can help your business, not you individually, but your business grow. They help you with six-figure deals. You need a six-figure deal. Banks are having a hard time right now dealing with this stuff. The internal bureaucracy and all. First Liberty makes their own decisions. They've been doing it since the early 90s. Uh, reach out to them. Their website is firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Well, the Wall Street Journal has dropped their new uh, NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. Ugh. 41% approve of President Biden's job performance. 57% of Americans disapprove, suggesting that the president's power to boost support for Democrats is, as of now, limited. 66% of independent voters in the United States oppose Joe Biden or disapprove, I should say, of Joe Biden's job performance. If the election were held today, more voters say they would back a Republican than a Democrat for Congress, 44 to 41, and Republicans lead on the issues people care about. What is your opinion of who best is able to handle the, the following issue? Rebuild the economy? 46 GOP, 35 Democrats. Get inflation under control, 44 GOP, 26 Democrats. Secure the border, 52% GOP, 16% Democrats. What's notable here is that those are the top issues of voter concern. Secure the border is the number three issue. 
voters are concerned with. This is bad for the Democrats. This is really bad for the Democrats. And panic is starting to break out. Do you know down in Florida, they're already starting to fret that they're not going to win anything next year. Now, by the way, uh, before I go, and and we'll be back in the next hour, I want to talk about some of the uh, news out there that's infecting people's mental health. But you should know if your website's not working this morning, Amazon is down. Uh, So Disney Plus is out. Prime Music is out. Ring is out. Series XM Streaming is out. McDonald's app is out. uh, Instant Card is out. uh, Canva is out. All sorts of major websites in the country that rely on Amazon Web Services shut down at this very moment. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com.